This is Side 2. Coming up. More than half of young people in Scotland support plans to raise income tax. This article, unattributed. Drunk woman hit barmaid after pinching chip from plate. This article by group content editor Janice Mitchell. Shocking internal RBS memo released ahead of probe into troubled bank. This article, unattributed. Stalker who sent undertakers to collect terrified woman's dead body avoids jail. This article was unattributed. First bus makes U-turn on steep fares hike for unemployed. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. MSP and Sprinkler plea for new build council homes after Grenfell tragedy. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Starbucks customer blasts Glasgow branch staff over disturbing comment about homeless. This article by Aftab Ali. All council resources deployed to deal with extreme weather across Glasgow. This article by Holly Lennon. Woman left with no money for a year by DWP wins appeal against 276-day sanction. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Paul Stewart. Prisoner who went missing during home, we found. This article was unattributed. Kevin Spacey. Third complaint of sexual assault investigated by Scotland Yard. This article unattributed. Brayhead clan's Craig Peacock disappointed to be watching the Winter Olympics from the sidelines. This article by Susan Egelsatif. UEFA report shows Celtic and Rangers are among the 20 best supported clubs in Europe. This article by online sports editor Alistair McKenzie. Rangers 4, Corinthians 2. Graham Murty's side make it two wins from two at the Florida Cup. This article from Saturday the 13th of January, read on Monday the 15th of January, by group senior sports writer Christopher Jack. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 18th of January 2018. News section. More than half of young people in Scotland support plans to raise income tax. This article, unattributed. More than half of the people in Scotland support plans to raise income tax, according to a poll. The YouGov survey for The Times found that 54% back Scottish Government proposals for an increase, while 30% said they would be unfair. Finance Secretary Derek Mackay has announced changes to the tax rates, which would introduce two new bans and alter existing ones. If passed, those earning above £26,000 would pay more than their counterparts in the rest of the UK from April, while Scots below that rate would pay less. People in Scotland earning more than £33,000 would pay more than they do now, and those on more than £150,000 would pay extra. Mr Mackay told The Times, As this poll and others have shown, a majority of Scots support the SNP's progressive tax reforms that will allow us to invest in our schools and hospitals. The SNP is on the side of Scotland's taxpayers, ensuring that 70% pay less and Scotland has the fairest tax system in the UK. The Times said that when voters were asked about the basic plans, increasing taxes compared with the rest of the UK for those on £26,000, 54% said they supported the move, 27% opposed and 19% did not know. A total of 49% of respondents said they were fair, 30% said they were unfair and 21% did not know. Labour claimed the poll supported its position on tax, which is to raise all income tax rates to pay for better public services. Labour MSP James Kelly told The Times, 
This confirms that Scots are in favour of a more progressive system of taxation. However, the support for these proposals cannot be accurately considered at this time. That is because Derek Mackay's tax plan will not stop cuts to lifeline local services. Poll after poll has shown Scots are willing to pay more tax to fund public services. Instead, Derek Mackay has tinkered around the edges and delivered a plan which will just mean more cuts. Scottish Conservative finance spokesman Murdo Fraser told the newspaper, Making Scotland the highest tax part of the UK won't just hit people in the pocket, it will damage the economy too. This article was unattributed. This article from the Evening Times News on the 16th of January 2018. Drunk woman hit barmaid after pinching chip from plate. This article by Group Content Editor Janice Mitchell. A drunk who foolishly mixed alcohol with prescription pills branded a marmaid a F asterisk asterisk K-I-N-G tramp after pinching a chip from a plate. Lindsay Gunning slapped her victim and later scratched a police support officer when she was arrested for her boozy behaviour. Glasgow Sheriff Court was told that it was around 7pm on the night of the incident when a barmaid spotted the 40-year-old accused in the rear hall of the Robert Burns Masonic Lodge in Bailston. The witness wasn't concerned about Gunning's presence and instead sat down to eat some food with a workmate. During their meal, the complainer's friend got up from her seat to go behind the bar. The accused, who is now sat nearby, used the opportunity to nab a chip from the missing woman's plate. When challenged by the complainer, Gunning called the barmaid AF asterisk asterisk KING tramp. She ignored repeated requests to leave the lodge, branding the witnesses C asterisk asterisk TS and pigs and tramps. She then handled the complainer's hair and struck her on the left hand side of her face with an open palm. She accused managed to get another slap in before the victim's friend came to the rescue. Gunning then made her way out into the night. At around 7.50pm she was spotted by police staggering across the road. The accused approached for help as she was lost and didn't know how to get home. The officers made inquiries and were notified of the disturbance at the Masonic Lodge. During her arrest Gunning shouted, what are you looking at, you F asterisk asterisk K-I-N-G bomber. She then scratched a support officer on the hand when taken to the station for processing. Gunning later pleaded guilty to acting in an aggressive manner at the Robert Burns Mosaic Lodge in Church Street on September the 2nd last year. She admitted refusing to leave, shouting and swearing at staff members and assaulting an employee there by slapping her on the head. She also pleaded guilty to shouting, swearing and uttering offensive remarks at Bailiston's Buchanan Street, as well as scratching a support officer at the Cathcart Police Station. In defence, it was explained that Gunning, who had no previous convictions, mixed prescription medication with alcohol and was extremely embarrassed by her behaviour. Her conduct was said to be completely out of character. Sheriff Tony Kelly deferred sentence for six months for the accused of Westerhouse Road to be of good behaviour and to prove to the court that this was a complete one-off. Gunning will return for sentencing on July the 13th. This article by Group Content Editor, Junice Mitchell. 
The Evening Times on Thursday the 18th of January 2018. News section. Shocking internal RBS memo released ahead of probe into Troubled Bank. This article unattributed. Royal Bank of Scotland boss Ross McEwen is to be hauled in front of MPs later this month to answer questions on the lender's treatment of small businesses after yet more damning details of the scandal emerged. The influential Treasury Select Committee confirmed that Mr McEwen will appear alongside Chairman Sir Howard Davis on January the 30th for a grilling on the bank's controversial Global Restructuring Group, GRG. There is also a backbench business debate planned for Thursday in the House of Commons on the treatment of SMEs by GRG, which has been called for by Labour MP Clive Lewis, Shadow Treasury Minister. It comes after Mr McEwen was asked by the committee's chairwoman, Nikki Morgan, to discuss previously unpublished memos, one of which allegedly reveals that staff were encouraged to extract money from struggling small businesses. One memo, entitled Just Hit Budget, which was written in 2009, talks of applying particularly high interest rates, which could then be reduced if customers signed over a stake in their business or property. In one line, the memo said, No deal, no way. Missed opportunities will mean missed bonuses. Another read, Rope. Sometimes you need to let customers hang themselves. You've then gained their trust, and they know what's coming when they fail to deliver. The other memo disclosed by RBS was written in December 2008, when GRG was established, and describes its role and intended aims. In his letter to Ms Morgan, dated January the 9th, Mr Morgan insisted that the just-hit budget memo was written by a junior manager who is no longer employed by the bank. He added that, at no time did it form part of GRG or RBS policy, and said the language was completely unacceptable. The hearing on January the 30th promises to be a fiery exchange as the scandal refuses to die down for RBS. The state-backed lender has been dogged by allegations that it intentionally pushed small businesses towards failure in the hope of picking up their assets on the cheap. The Financial Conduct Authority has also said it's investigating whether to take further action after publishing an interim report into GRG following intense political pressure. RBS has set aside £400 million to tackle complaints and compensation, with £115 million already paid out to small businesses claiming mistreatment through an automatic refund of complex fees. This article was unattributed. This article from the Evening Times News on the 16th of January 2018. Stalker who sent undertakers to collect terrified woman's dead body avoids jail. This article was unattributed. The stalker who relentlessly contacted the terrified woman and sent undertakers to her door to collect her dead body when she was still alive has narrowly avoided jail. James Leslie, 43, refused Deborah Reed's pleas to stop contacting her after a short relationship and friendship didn't work out. He bombarded the 44-year-old with phone calls, cards and flowers, refusing to leave her alone despite her repeated requests. Sick, Leslie claimed he had terminal cancer and desperate bid to maintain contact and told her he had weeks to live. But after he posed as her teenage son to request undertakers pick up her remains and her children answered the door to the private ambulance, she reported Leslie to the cops. Infatuated, Leslie accepted his guilt but denied phoning the undertakers. After a trial at Glasgow Sheriff Court, Leslie from Strathblane was unanimously convicted of stalking Miss Reed between April the 1st and May the 12th of 2016 and sending funeral directors to her door and causing distress to her family. Yesterday, Sheriff Martin Jones QC 
handled Leslie. A three-year community payback order with 300 hours of unpaid work, the requirement to go on a court-appointed programme and a tag to stay in his house between 9pm and 6am for six months. He was also given a five-year non-harassment order not to contact Deborah. The sheriff said this richly deserves custody. You have got a directly analogous offence and seems to have learned nothing from that. The only thing that saves you is being the carer of your young daughter, Leslie, who has a previous conviction for stalking from 2013, contacted Deborah from Bishop Briggs on Facebook in February 2016. The pair knew each other from school and met for coffees and walks and tried a relationship. She said a gut feeling told her she shouldn't continue that and asked to just be friends. Leslie called her a tease and told her we should just get sex out of the way and go back to being friends. Deborah asked Leslie, who would phone her multiple times a day to back off a bit and stop hounding her if she didn't answer the phone. Fiscal Deputy Mark Allen asked, who would you describe the nature of that communication in general terms? She replied, relentless would be the word I would use. Deborah said it was exhausting me. It cruelly took up a lot of my time. If I didn't answer the calls, it would escalate to him sending me messages. So often I would end up phoning him back because otherwise it just didn't stop. He would send messages if she didn't pick up his calls, saying he would come over and make sure she was alright and this scared her. He would often guilt her and pretend... She was controlling him by not answering his calls or call her tease because she didn't want a relationship with him. Phone records showed Leslie called Deborah around 150 times over a seven-week period. She eventually saved his number as Jim Leslie don't answer. The mum of two eventually changed her number in a bit to stop him contacting her, but he sent dozens of flowers and cards to her house and contacted her on different Facebook accounts she created. When Deborah blocked his number, Leslie left dozens of voice messages. Some were played in the jury and I heard him say, You have no idea how much I love you, Deborah. You really don't. Mr. Allen asked how the voice messages made her feel. She said at the time they were left, there was a whole range of emotions. I was worried that he would never stop contacting me. I tried to block his number but voice messages still came through and I changed my phone number. I just felt completely stressed and worried, but also Jim told me he had terminal cancer. So I felt like a pretty terrible person because I felt like no matter what he had done, I was turning my back on someone who had literally weeks to live. She said her house was like a forest throughout April and May with all the flowers that were sent to her home and her work. She even unbought the Facebook account to show her children a picture of Leslie so that if they saw him they were to contact the police. On May the 12th a phone call was made to Jonathan Harvey Funeral Directors by a man claiming to be Deborah's son Michael asking them to collect his mother's body from the house. The audio recording of the phone call was played to the court and Deborah said it was Leslie's voice.
The two undertakers appeared at the door later that day, and Deborah was out meeting a friend. Her children answered the door. Deborah told the court, I was shocked and scared, not only for myself, but for my children. I didn't have any idea what was going to happen next. I felt like anything would happen. Michael Twenty said he was shocked when he saw the men and said he didn't really know how to react. Danavon Leslie said he was in a dark hole at the time, having suffered a bereavement in 2014. He said he was absolutely disgusted at his behaviour, but denied being the person who made the phone call to funeral directors. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times on Thursday the 18th of January 2018. News section. First bus makes U-turn on steep fares hike for unemployed. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Originally published on Tuesday the 16th of January 2018. Bus bosses have done a U-turn on a fares hike affecting unemployed people in Glasgow. Last week, First Glasgow introduced a raft of fares changes which sparked outrage among passengers and politicians in the city. It included increases of 10 pence and 20 pence on concession fares for unemployed passengers travelling in the city. The Evening Times reported how Glasgow Labour MSP, Johan Lamont, raised the issue with a motion condemning the fares and calling for a reversal in the Scottish Parliament, and with the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, who said she shared the concerns. Glasgow's seven MPs were also against the increase and wrote to First Glasgow highlighting the impact on the unemployed with six job centres closing in the city. First Bus said it would review the increase for unemployed passengers taking into consideration the job centre closures and has now confirmed it will scrap the rise. Graham McFarlane, First Glasgow Commercial Director, said On reflection and given the recent closures of a number of job centres within our network area we have taken the decision to overturn the proposed 10 pence and 20 pence increase in the tickets for job seekers and freeze these fares at the pre-7th of January prices with immediate effect. This is a decision which we feel represents the best interests of this customer group as we recognise there is a potential for increased travel. This is at the root of our decision to reverse the proposed fare increase. Politicians who opposed the rise welcomed the reversal but said the firm had to go further and reconsider the damage caused by the other increases too. Ms Lamont said, We can come this move. It's recognition the company is able to change decisions. They can and should go further. Young people are having to pay more for ticket than if they can pay using a phone. I will go back to first and ask them to reflect further on the impact on families. Stuart MacDonald, Glasgow South MP who coordinated the letter, said the bus firm still had some way to go to repair its reputation. He said, This is a good start and it is to be welcomed, not least of all because of the job centre closures. There's still an issue with the huge rise in ticket prices for young people. On this, First has shown themselves to be toned. A big issue is people don't think they're getting value for money and a reliable service. Even with this change, the company's reputation has been damaged. The Evening Times canvassed opinion on the streets of Glasgow after the fares hike was announced, and people said they did not feel like they got value for money and opposed the rises. The other increases, including single fares bought on board and the scrapping of unaccompanied child fares, are still going ahead. The child fare rise it is an increase of 40%, going up from 70 pence to £1. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. This article from the Evening Times News on the 16th of January 2018. MSP in Sprinkler plea for new build council homes after Grenfell tragedy. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. 
All new housing association and council homes should be fitted with sprinklers in the wake of the Grenfell tragedy, according to a Labour MSP. If the bill proposed by David Stewart is successful, it would be compulsory for every new home built by registered social landlords to have a sprinkler system installed. Mr Stewart, who is launching his bill today, said before Grenfell Scotland had a higher rate of fire deaths and injuries than the rest of the UK. He adds that deaths and casualties are higher in the private areas, which have more social housing. In June last year, 71 people died in the fire in Grenfell Tower in West London. Hundreds more were left homeless, and the fire spread from the fourth floor upwards, engulfing the 24-storey block in flames. In England, new high-rise flats have been built with sprinklers since 2007. In Scotland, it was law that sprinklers are fitted to new built high-rises two years earlier. The bill would see all new social housing required to be installed with sprinklers regardless of height. Mr Stewart said there has been no instance of multiple fire deaths in Scotland where a working sprinkler system was installed. Following the fire, many fire safety experts and London Fire Brigade Commissioner Danny Cotton called for sprinklers to be retrofitted to existing high-rise flats. The MSP's bill proposal only includes social housing new builds in Scotland and not retrofitting existing homes to which there are more than 100,000 in Glasgow. Mr Stewart said the scandal at Grenfell last summer was that protection was not available to those who were most in need. This simple change in law is a practical step that will save lives. Councils in Angus, Fife and Dundee already install sprinklers into their new developments as standard, and I want to see this approach extended all over Scotland. In Glasgow, in 2016-17, statistics show there were 929 dwelling fires with six deaths. Mr Stewart, a Highlands MSP, said fires are more prevalent in areas of socio-economic deprivation. He said the 2009 Scotland Together report into Scottish fire deaths and injuries found that 31% of all accidental dwelling fires occurred and that the 15% of most deprived areas of Scotland. He has the backing of the British Automatic Fire Sprinkler Association, who want to go further and also retrofit. Keith McGillivray, Chief Executive, a former advisor to the Scottish Government, said we would also support the retrofitting of automatic fire suppression systems, sprinklers, into all Scottish high-rise social housing. He added automatic fire sprinklers have a proven track record of the mitigation of fire and the prevention of loss of life through fire. This goes back more than 100 years. The installation of sprinkler systems to the appropriate British standards by competent third party accredited installers will ensure that the risk from fire in public and firefighters is reduced greatly. The Scottish Government has a target of 35,000 new build social homes over the next five years. They would all need to be fitted with sprinklers under Mr Stewart's plan. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. The Evening Times on Thursday the 18th of January 2018. News section. Starbucks customer blasts Glasgow branch staff over disturbing comment about homeless. This article by Aftab Ali. 
A Glasgow Starbucks has come under heavy fire after a customer claimed a staff member made a shocking comment about homeless people. The incident is said to have taken place in the Royal Exchange Square branch, where teenager Amy McElroy from Hamilton visited at the weekend. The 14-year-old took to Twitter to post her disturbing complaint, which has since gone global. Amy wrote, So fucking disgusted. At Starbucks UK, went into one of your Glasgow branches to get some food for a 16-year-old homeless boy who was physically shaking from the cold and was told off a worker I'd be better saving my money and letting nature take its course. I'm at a loss for words. In just four days, the post has gathered close to 17,000 reactions as social media users continue to blast the company, with many sharing similarly upsetting stories. One user said, The ones in the city centre are the worst. A girl I know was fat-shamed for her order in two different stores. Another said, Last month there was a homeless woman standing in line behind me in the store on Buchanan Street. I offered to pay for her coffee as I saw her outside on the street earlier. It was like the staff couldn't serve me quick enough. They actually looked down on me for paying for her. What kind of heartless B star 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 could say this about any human? Here's so many horror stories about Starbucks, you wonder what their teaching training process is, was another comment. Starbucks UK replied to Amy's tweet and said the team was concerned to hear about this. The company added, can you send us a DM with the store and time you visited so we can fully investigate? The Evening Times has contacted Starbucks UK for further comment. This is not the first time a city centre Starbucks has been at the centre of controversy. In March last year, the Evening Times reported how the Buchanan Street branch caused mass outrage after it was claimed staff refused to serve a homeless man, ejecting him from the premises. The incident was shared on Facebook by a furious customer whose friend had given the man money to purchase food. This article was by Aftab Ali. Remember... You no longer need to receive a weekly digest service on tape, but can in fact listen to more daily content online via www.qandreview.com slash free podcasts, accessible on your computer or mobile device. This article from the Evening Times News on the 16th of January 2018. All council resources deployed to deal with extreme weather across Glasgow. This article by Holly Lennon. All available council resources have been deployed to deal with extreme weather, predicted to hit the city. A yellow, be prepared weather warning for snow. Forecast has been issued by the Met Office lasting until Wednesday. Hail, snow showers, ice and near freezing temperatures have been predicted to hit in the coming days. Glasgow City Council have warned commuters to expect delays and disruption on the roads and to only drive if necessary. The Council's Land and Environmental Services Department have deployed all available resources around the clock in order to keep the road network operational. Gratting teams took to the streets around 8pm on Monday evening and worked through to 7.30am, covering priority routes and the city centre. Priority paths, including those surrounding schools, hospital and bus routes and bridges, were also targeted. Snow ploughs were mounted onto trucks on Monday in preparation for snow forecasts for later in the week. The local authorities encouraging residents to make use of the 1,400 public salt bins and free salt available at council and park depots. Those interested can take their own bags to Victoria, Kings, Springburn or Greenfield Park or Dossholm, Shieldhall or Easter 
Queensland depots, which can supply salt between Monday and Sunday, 10am to 4pm. The Met Office added frequent and heavy hail and snow showers are likely to affect many parts of Scotland from Monday evening, contributing to much of the day on Tuesday. Travel delays on roads are possible with a small chance of cancellations to public transport. There is a small chance that power cuts while a car and other services such as mobile phone coverage may be affected. In addition, some roads and pavements may become icy, increasing the chance of injuries from slip and falls. This warning has been updated to extend its validity time into Wednesday. This article by Holly Lennon. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 18th of January 2018. News section. Woman left with no money for a year by DWP wins appeal against 276-day sanction. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. A woman who was left with no money for almost a year by the DWP has won her appeal against a 276-day sanction. In November, the Evening Times reported how Margot Laird from Toll Cross was totally dependent on her son and her sister for food and electricity after being repeatedly sanctioned. She believed as she was sending in sick lines, she was not required to attend at job centre interviews, but the DWP issued her with sanctions and stopped her cash. Ms Laird appealed the decision and won, with the tribunal deciding the DWP evidence provided for sanction was inadequate. She was also at risk of homelessness as her rent was not being paid and her landlord had begun legal proceedings. She was unaware she was running up arrears as she thought her rent was still being paid with housing benefit. Meanwhile, arrears of £900 had been accumulated over months when nothing was paid to her housing association on her behalf. David Linden, Glasgow East SNP MP, took up her case last year and raised it once more with Theresa May at Prime Minister's Questions. He asked if she would apologise to Ms Laird for the sanction and delay in resolving her case. The Prime Minister replied briefly, Obviously I'm sorry to hear the case that the Honourable Gentleman has set out. I'm very happy to ensure that that case is properly looked into. Mr Linden said, The Prime Minister's refusal to apologise for a cruel and wrongly applied series of sanctions exposes the complete lack of compassion in Downing Street. The details of this case are truly shocking, yet another brutal example of this Conservative government's deeply damaging welfare policies. Here we have a woman pushed below the poverty line, reliant on food banks for survival, into rental arrears and to the brink of homelessness, all because of a litany of fundamental errors made by the DWP. A spokeswoman for the DWP said, Only a small minority of people are sanctioned, and that only happens if someone doesn't have a good reason for falling short of their claimant commitment. When decisions are overturned, it's very often because new evidence is provided. This article by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. This article from the Evening Times News on the 16th of January 2018. Paul Stewart, prisoner who went missing during home, leave found. This article was unattributed. A prisoner who failed to return home from a period of home leave has been found. Paul Stewart was reported missing from HMP Castle Huntley near Dundee at 2pm on Monday. A 44-year-old absconded after some time on home leave. Police said early on Tuesday morning that he had been found safe and well. Officers had advised members of the public not to approach the 44-year-old if they saw him. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 18th of January 2018. News section. Kevin Spacey, 
third complaint of sexual assault investigated by Scotland Yard. This article unattributed. Kevin Spacey is being investigated by Scotland Yard over a third complaint of sexual assault. The force has been told that a third man was allegedly sexually assaulted by the Oscar-winning actor, this time in Westminster, London, in 2005. The accusation was made on December the 13th, but only came to light on Wednesday when a Metropolitan Police spokesman confirmed the investigation was underway. The force did not directly link Spacey to the fresh allegation, but the alleged perpetrator is the same as the subject of earlier complaints. Spacey was already being investigated over two complaints of sexual assault in the South London borough of Lambeth, one in 2005, the other in 2008. On December the 13th, we received an allegation that the man sexually assaulted a man, victim 3, in 2005 in Westminster, the Metropolitan Police spokesman said on Wednesday. Spacey, 58, was one of the first Hollywood stars to face accusations in the fallout of the Harvey Weinstein scandal. The actor was dumped by Netflix House of Cards and Sir Ridley Scott erased him from his completed film All the Money in the World in reshoots costing millions. The allegations came after actor Anthony Rapp said he was 14 when Spacey, then 26, made a sexual advance to him in 1986. Spacey said he did not remember the encounter but apologised for any inappropriate drunken behaviour. An avalanche of claims followed, and the Old Vic Theatre, where Spacey was artistic director between 2004 and 2015, found 20 people claimed they had been subjected to inappropriate behaviour from the actor. This article is unattributed. The Evening Times, on Thursday the 18th of January 2018, Sports Section. Brayhead clan's Craig Peacock disappointed to be watching the Winter Olympics from the sidelines. This article by Susan Egelsatov. Apologies, listeners. I think that article should be attributed to Susan Egelstaff. There appears to be a typing error in the article. Craig Peacock will be watching the Winter Olympics from his home in Glasgow in a couple of weeks' time with something of a sense of longing. The GB internationalist who plays his club ice hockey for Brayhead Clan is a regular in the GB team and he admits that he and his teammates are desperate to break the run that has seen GB fail to qualify for the Olympic Games for 70 years. And with the team having come within a few games of qualifying for Sochi 2014 four years ago, the 29-year-old, who is originally from Peterborough, hopes that GB can stop the rot of failing to qualify sometime soon. It definitely sucks sitting at home watching, and especially with South Korea hosting. We beat them a few years ago, so it does make you think, well, if they're there, then we could be there too, he said. So, if we can make it happen sometime in the future, that will be an amazing day for British hockey. It would be an absolute dream to get to the Olympics. I think that's the goal of any athlete to make it there. Unfortunately for us, that's still a bit away, but if the game starts to develop more in the UK and more funding can come into it, then hopefully you will see GB in the Olympics one day. Peacock is the only player on Brayhead's roster who is a GB team member, but there are a couple of his fellow clan members who have established themselves in junior GB teams. Both Jordan Breza and Josh Greveson have won caps for the junior national team, and Peacock sees no reason why the... The Evening Times, on Thursday the 18th of January 2018, Sports Section. UEFA report shows Celtic and Rangers are among the 20 best-supported clubs in Europe. This article by online sports editor Alistair McKenzie. This article originally published on Wednesday the 17th of January 2018. 
A report for UEFA has shown that Rangers and Celtic are among the top 20 best-supported teams on the continent. European football's governing body published its club licensing report on Wednesday, offering a detailed review of the club game and an analysis of the financial development of European football. Celtic are one of just 11 clubs to have reported an aggregate league attendance of over 1 million in 2016-17 and boast the 8th highest average attendance in Europe with 54,726. That figure places the Scottish champions ahead of the likes of Manchester City, Liverpool and Benfica. Rangers have jumped into the top 20 this year, coming in at number 13 following their return to the Scottish Premiership. The Ibrox club had an average attendance of 49,156 and an aggregate total of 933,964, a higher figure than European heavyweights such as Paris Saint-Germain, Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid. Brendan Rodgers' arrival and subsequent treble success also meant Celtic had the second highest increase in average attendance across the continent, rising by 9,876. The only club to see a bigger increase was West Ham, but the Premier League outfit benefited from their move to the London Stadium last season. The SPFL as a whole enjoyed an attendance rise of more than 15%, one of just five leagues to enjoy such an increase. This article by online sports editor Alistair McKenzie. Rangers 4, Corinthians 2. Graham Murty's side make it two wins from two at the Florida Cup. This article from Saturday the 13th of January, read on Monday the 15th of January, by group senior sports writer Christopher Jack. The focus has switched from Florida to Fraserburgh. The silverware in the Sunshine State wasn't important, but the pursuit of the Scottish Cup certainly is. A 4-2 victory over Corinthians was a pleasing way for Graham Murty's side to round off their time in the United States, but the result didn't matter that much on this occasion. That isn't the case when they travel to Bellslee Park on Saturday, however, and the return to competitive action is the start of a hugely significant second half of the season at Ibrox. Rangers spent the first few days of their time stateside at the IMG Academy in Bradenton before making the journey up to Orlando, and the trip has been important for the Light Blues as new faces have joined the group and familiar ones resurfaced. Andy Halliday and Michael O'Halloran have pulled on the jersey once again, while Sean Goss and Jamie Murphy have done so for the first time. On the touchline, Murty has a new right-hand man, after Jimmy Nicholl was appointed as his assistant. With only a few hundred supporters from either side inside the vast bowl, there was no chance the Spectrum Stadium would live up to its Bounce House moniker on this occasion. NCAA Division 1 outfit the UCF Knights are the home side at the 44,000 capacity arena, but it was football rather than the college equivalent in these parts that was on show on this occasion. Rangers were joined on the park by SpongeBob SquarePants, Patrick and Squidward ahead of their match at the Orlando City Stadium on Thursday, and it was the Simpsons that were on mascot duty here as the players made their way out from opposite ends of the ground. With the stars and stripes fluttering in the Florida breeze, the singing of the national anthem delayed proceedings even further. In the end, the action lived up to the pre-match show. This was never going to be an all-energy, high-tempo affair, and the pace in the early stages was relaxed, as Rangers attempted to knock the ball about a park that didn't exactly look pristine from a press box perched high on top of the main stand. There was little for the light blue legions to get enthused about, but they did, unfortunately from their perspective, get a decent view of both goals in the first half. The first came on 32 minutes, as the Brazilians worked the ball well from a throw-in, and Jadson knocked a cross to the back post. James Tavernier was caught underneath it, and he was punished for his mistake as Roger Guino bit West Fotheringham with a neat finish. 
When former Celtic striker Colin Kazim Richards doubled the Brazilian's lead a few minutes later, his low finish across Fodringham finding the corner of the net, the game looked to be beyond Rangers. The changes from Murty at the break weren't quite as sweeping on this occasion, as Fodringham, Fernier, Fabio Cardoso and Dalcio retained the spots, but it was one of the substitutes that got Rangers back in the game. Goss showed glimpses of his passing ability during the Atletico fixture, and it was his free-kick delivery that beat the Corinthians' defence. From six yards, Alfredo Morelos diverted the ball into the roof of the net, as the Gers fans finally had something to celebrate. They didn't have to wait long for another reason either. Morelos turned provider as he collected a pass from David Bates, and Halliday timed his run perfectly as he fired home from inside the area. It soon got even better for Rangers as the comeback was completed. Jamie Murphy picked out Morelos from the left, and the Colombian swept the ball into the net with a powerful finish. There was still time for another, and it was Tavernier that got it, as keeper Kaike could only palm a Delcio cross into his path, and he converted from six yards. It was job done for Rangers. The serious work will now begin once again, though. Rangers, first half. Fodringham, Tavernier, D. Wilson, Cardoso, John, Holt, Cranchar, Dalcio, Windus, O'Halloran, Herrera. Rangers, second half. Fodringham, Kelly. Tavernier, A. Wilson. Bates, Cardoso, Hodson, Halliday, Goss, Candeas, Murphy, Dalcio, Morelos. This article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. Thank you for listening to this week's Digest edition of the Evening Times. Remember, you can contact us via email at information at qandreview.com or via leaving a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976. Please remember to return the cassette in the wallet provided. Just flip over the address label and post it.